This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Not because of something or anything that you, you might have been the best Christian this week or the worst one. It doesn't matter. You are favored by God because of Jesus Christ. And he's never going to change. You might fluctuate. You might go up and down. But I want to say to you tonight, you are highly favored by God. And if you are not in Christ Jesus, there is this invitation for you tonight to become highly favored of God. Because God has those plans towards you to favor you. That is the heart of God. The heart of God is not to punish you. The heart of God is to favor you, to pour out his favor upon you. You can turn to the person next to you and say, you are highly favored by God. You don't deserve it, you are right. You are right. And especially the guy next to you or the lady next to you, she doesn't deserve it. But I want to tell you, you are favored nevertheless. This is the beauty of grace. This is the beauty of the finished work of Jesus Christ that we, that the writer of Hebrews and some people are divided whether it's, a, it's actually Paul uh, or because they don't want to address it, they just call it the writer of the book of Hebrews and, that, and, he, and he speaks of, about this Jesus, our great high priest in Hebrews chapter four. He says, verse 14, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because of that, let us then, because of this, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And the beauty of this is this in, most of you put up your hand that you, you sometimes struggle to live this life in abundance, to reign in life, the, this abundant life that is promised. And, and we often feel that we, you know, we, we're getting there, but we're not making it. And we, half of the time we feel weak. And when we read about a consistent theme about grace that, that is actually the beauty of grace, that it's actually in our weakness that grace actually is highlighted and that we can come with confidence. Whether we are styling as a Christian or we're flopping as a Christian, whether we're flying or falling, walking or stumbling, it doesn't really matter that we can come at every moment, we can come to this throne of grace where we will find mercy, when we mess up, where we will find the grace, the favor and the divine enablement to do what God wants us to do, to, to fulfill that requirement of God, we will be able to do that at this throne of grace. There are some people that say, you know, uh, we've already received all the grace and then I just ask him, so why would I need to go to the throne of grace and approach the throne of grace if I already have all grace? Now I wanna say to you when, when it comes to this small little five-letter word, grace, I mean, in church history and up until this day, 
this small little concept has caused so much beauty in the body of Christ, but also so much hurt and division within the body of Christ. Denominations, churches have split. The whole reformation was sort of hinged on a new understanding of, of being saved by grace. And right through the ages, even, you know, predestination and election and, and a lot of theological argument has been about this thing called grace. And, and there's been hyper grace and, and people that uh, there's this whole thing about law and grace and huge, huge contentions within the body of Christ concerning grace. And I, I, th I think it's important that we, do, that we do study the scripture and look at commentaries. But for me, the greatest thing to understand grace is to be encountered by grace. Because nobody can steal your testimony. They can, maybe a, a guy that's very eloquent can sort of persuade you otherwise theologically and maybe can quote more Hebrew and Greek words that you can. But when you've experienced the grace of God, when you've walked in the grace of God, when you've been the recipient of the divine enablement of God, when you realize, man, what happened just now could not be me. That was only God. Then grace truly you understand the power of grace and that you can say like the Apostle Paul, man, when I'm weak, I actually, I start boasting in my weakness so that when anything good happens, it is the grace of God. It is the unmerited favor, but it's also the divine enablement of God that carries me. And maybe tonight I wanna, I wanna steer a little bit more to the, because most of us, we know that, Grace is the unmerited favor of God. But I do believe it, it, it's part of what grace is, but it's not the full picture of grace. Now, when you go through the Bible quickly, if you do like a word study, the word favor, the word grace doesn't really appear in the, in the Old Testament, but the word favor does appear, and it's the word hen. And uh, it appears uh, Moses found favor in the sight of the Lord, Noah, Nehemiah, a lot of biblical Characters found favor in the sight of the Lord. In the New Testament, there's a Greek word called charis. Uh, it's where we get the word charismata from. It's where the word actually the charismatic church comes from. For those of you who wondered, charismatic churches has got nothing to do with leaders with a certain personality or charisma. The word charismatic churches comes from churches that believe in the grace gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismata. And I mean, and, and there's right through, we'll see that Jesus doesn't use the grace, the word grace. He doesn't use the word charis. But when it's spoken of Jesus, as soon as Jesus is introduced by the writers of the gospel, especially John, he says Jesus appeared full of grace and truth. And, and John is really in 1 John 16 to 14 to 17, he talks about Jesus being full of grace and the grace of God appearing in Christ Jesus. Luke mentions it a little bit, and, but in the book of Acts, you see more and more that it's not necessarily only, because a lot of us, when we think about grace, we immediately connect it to salvation and, and, and the event of salvation and, and how you were saved and, and justification. And especially in the book of Romans, which is a beautiful treatise on, on grace, especially with sanctification. But as you read in the book of Acts and later in the Apostle Paul, you also realize that when they use the word grace, it's not just in the context of 
you getting saved as in you getting saved not to go to hell. And uh, I maybe want to say something about salvation, uh, increased understanding of salvation. And, and more and more you see the word grace connected to the word power. So it seems that it, it is favor, but the favor of God is powerful. The favor of God is not, hey, I, 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 like, you, I like you a lot, you know, and, and I'm not angry with you, and I'm pleased with you. Because a lot of us, when we talk about favor, it's, you know, it's that aspect of God. But there's this aspect of God when it speaks of Stephen, it says a man full of grace and power. And in the book of Acts, we see this connection between grace and power. And we also start seeing, especially when the Apostle Paul, when he writes, when he writes about the Holy Spirit, he connects grace and the Holy Spirit to the point that he even later on calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of grace. So there's an empowerment aspect of the Holy Spirit, sorry, of grace that comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. But there is an empowerment aspect, the divine enablement that grace brings to us through Christ Jesus and through the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to live the life that God has promised us. So it's not just they're saved by grace and the rest is just a hard slog. You know, and, it's, and I do think that we need to come to a greater understanding of even the concept of salvation. Many of us, when we think about salvation, we only think about the the evening or the day that we receive Jesus Christ or we surrendered our life, however you wanna, you wanna phrase that. But the day that you gave your life to Jesus or Jesus came to save you, and we often talk about that day of the day of our salvation, and that is true, but we need to understand that there is a, there is a bigger story, there's a bigger story of salvation that even preceded, there was always this promise of salvation for the, firstly, the people of Israel, but for mankind. So in Christ Jesus, he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So the story of salvation actually start, precedes creation. It wasn't like God had a plan A, then that didn't work out. Adam and Eve messed it up. So now oh, so I've got to get a plan B here. There was always this plan for salvation. And this salvation plan, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, and he was incarnated, but so in Christ Jesus, we are all of mankind. If they would receive Jesus, they would be saved. There is all the grace to save every person in Christ Jesus. So we are all saved in a sense in Christ Jesus, but there needs to be a day when we, we take up that offer, we respond by faith that he works at the Holy Spirit stirs in our heart and we respond and he gives us the power to become children of God. And for many people, that is the end of their salvation and now is the process of sanctification, which is really hard work and that is the part that we struggle with the most. And I believe that we need to understand that your justification, you being justified, you being called righteous because you believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ is a step in your salvation, but it's not the fullness of your salvation. Jesus also died for you so that you can become like him. It's called sanctification. And that is the work of the Spirit. So it is an ongoing work of salvation. So I am being, I, in a sense, I, 
in Christ Jesus, I have always been saved. Then I responded to that and now I am saved and now I am being saved. And there will be a day when there will be the fullness or the consummation of what it means to be saved will be fully realized in my body, my soul, and my spirit. And we need to, I think if we understand that salvation is, a, is it is an event, it's, it's a great happening when you pass over from life to death. But you, have, you got passed over from life into death, not so that you can just be free to do what you want to. You have been saved so that you live a life that is of such a nature that you bear good fruit that gives glory to the Father. That is why when, when Paul writes in the book of Romans, and maybe we should go there quickly, I won't be able to do all this stuff on, where are your Romans? Okay, chapter seven, Romans chapter seven, it's released from the law. Uh, see us, we'll do that next week. Okay. <laughs> it says here in verse four of chapter seven, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him, Jesus, who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. You are saved by grace, not only to escape hell primarily. Primarily you are saved to bear fruit. If the primary goal of your salvation was to get you to heaven when you die, it would be better if you got saved and baptized really long, like four minutes. I mean, then it would just be, you'd be with God forever. It's gonna be better than you can imagine. But you have been saved by grace. God extended his favor to you. God worked his power. God worked his power, his enabling power to do something that you could not do. You could not save yourself. So God worked his power through Christ Jesus to get you saved so that he can transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, so that he can align himself with yourself, with him, so that you can, and he gave you his spirit, so that you can live the life and bear fruit that gives glory to the Father. But now we are released from the Lord, having died to that which held us captive, so that we can serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. And you know, many people take that and, and it is worthy uh, to, to juxtapose the law and grace, but many people just get bogged down in is this law or is this grace? And, and they miss this part that says that that's why you were saved. That's why God exerted power and that's why God will continue to give you power. He will continue to pour out his grace upon you so that you will be able to live the life so that you will be able to bear the kind of fruit that brings glory to the Father. And that is what I wanna leave with you tonight is that there is a measure of grace that we need to tap into, a measure of the understanding of the grace of God, that it is favor. And that favor is incredibly powerful and that favor is incredibly purposeful. And just as we have access, and when none of you struggled to receive the grace when you got saved, when he transferred you 
out of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of light. That same grace, it's not, a, it's not another kind of grace that's more difficult to access. You got saved by simply by believing. You got saved because you expressed the Holy Spirit stirred something in your heart. You felt the conviction. You felt that God was speaking to you. You exercised the faith that you maybe thought you didn't have because God gave you that faith so that you can respond. And you responded and you got saved. And you received, you were saved by grace through faith. Paul says it's the same faith to access by faith the grace in which we stand. The same grace. It's not more difficult. It's not more difficult to access this grace. I think sometimes that might just be the problem is that we, we stand with, our, with the one foot in the law and the one foot in grace and, and it's almost too good to be true. That the same grace that saved me that was so effortless that I just responded and I got saved and none of you struggled with is the same kind of grace that we can access to live a life and to bear fruit for the kingdom. But because we thought, no, this is too good to be true, this, there's gotta be more, it's gotta be more difficult than this, that we sometimes step back into the law. We still, we, and that which we have already gained access to, we try to work for. And that's what God, I believe, wants to bring us to a greater understanding of what it means to walk in that power and to access that grace. It's the same, I wanna say to you that it's not even something spectacularly new that you need to do. He says that because of Jesus, because who of you believe that you are saved? Good. Um, so Jesus saved you, he is your high priest. Hebrews 4, chapter four says, because you have a high priest, you can come. So any time that you think, I still need to clean up my act before I can go to the throne of grace, I still need to sort out a couple of issues in my life, I still need to do more Bible study, I still need to pray more before I can go to the throne of grace, you are believing in a form of works righteousness that you are earning for yourself after the fact. Something that you have already received, you feel, okay, now I, I need to prove that I nearly... I know I, I, I didn't deserve it, but now that I got it, I want to live in a way that shows that I deserved it. And that becomes very hard. Because the more you do it, the more they realize, man, I, I can't deserve this. <laughs> I can't. And you have, this, you have this high priest, you have Jesus, that says, come. You're struggling with life. You're struggling with holiness. You're struggling with whatever. Come, come to the throne of grace. God, I messed up. Don't worry, throne of grace, we've got mercy. Mercy. It's where, it's where God extends his mercy to you at the throne of grace. And he gives you grace. He gives you divine favor. He reminds you, you are highly favored. Come. You're welcome here. You, you are invited here. You are celebrated here. God doesn't tolerate you because of Jesus Christ. God celebrates you because of Jesus Christ. And if you're thinking God's looking for someone to favor, he's already found Jesus. Highly favored. And he is the one that causes the fact that you are favored. 
once and for all. Not now and again. And trying again and again. And doing it again and again. It's once for all. That grace was poured out for you. That grace is for you. That favor is for you. That divine enablement is for you. To enable you to bear fruit. Because when we bear fruit, the Father is glorified. Who wants to glorify the Father? So something that we need to get really good at is coming to the throne of grace. Here's the thing that most people think that a, a sign of maturity is how long you can how long you can take between periods of appearing before the throne of grace, you know. But it's not. It's actually a sign of immaturity. It's a sign that you actually think that you can do it. People tell me living as a Christian is hard. I say it's not hard. It's impossible. Don't let anybody delude you that it's hard. It's downright impossible to do in your own strength. You can only sustain it for so long. But by this grace, you can do it. So we should actually become very regular faces before the throne of grace. You should, oh, it's George again. <laughs> He's here for the 15th time today. Which is great. Some people say, oh no, George's not a good Christian. No, that means George understands grace. And he understands his own inability, but he understands the grace of God. And we, we should actually be regular customers at the throne of grace. And there's nothing stopping you in, except believing a lie that you are not welcome. That you are only tolerated there. And if it wasn't for Jesus... God would zap you. It's like, Jesus, God and the Father actually wants to kill you. And Jesus, no, don't kill them. Don't kill them, Father. I died for them. We have this idea of God standing between us. Jesus standing. And, and if it wasn't for Jesus, we'd be toast. You are welcome before the throne of God. What is the kind of attitude that God says, who does he give grace to? Who does he give his unmerited favor to? Who does he give his divine enablement to? He says if he, he gives grace to the humble. So all that God requires is humility. It's all that God requires. When we humble, when we come humbly to the throne of grace, and we say, thank you, God, that I'm favored. I don't know why, but you love me, but you do. I love you, and I really need divine enablement. I need your favor, God. I, I really need it. It's my time of need. And you, here's a cue. When is it your time of need? Every day, every second. Just in, thought, just in case you thought it was once a month or exam time, you know, it's, 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 you need it then too. But you need the grace and mercy of God continuously. So you might as well spend a lot of time at the throne of grace. But here's the thing. I don't know if it's an Afrikaner thing. You know, it's like, oh, but I was here yesterday. I can't come again. You know, it's like, I've been here often. I, you know, I, and I messed up. Last time I got the grace and I messed it up, God. So I, I'm, I'm not worthy to be here. So I'm going to go to church twice, attend a prayer meeting, and then I'll come again. It's a sign you don't understand grace. 
It's a sign you don't understand unmerited. Now, there is a thing such as reward. I'm not against reward. But if we think that we need to work for favor, it's still a form of works righteousness. We still, then, then we don't have to worry, is this law, is this work? The fruit which you bear will show whether you are under grace or wrath. The fruit on your life will show clearly whether you are trying to do it in your own strength or whether you're doing it under the power of divine spirit. God gives grace to the humble. So we need to be humble and say, God, I suck. God, I'm not getting this right. I'm not going to beat myself over it. I'm not going to be depressed about it. I'm just going to be honest. God, I can't do this. But you can under, your, under the influence of your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the grace, by the, by the gifts that you have given us. I can do this. I can be an edifier. I can build other people up. I can be instrumental in building the church and edifying the body of Christ because there is charismata. There is gifts of the Holy Spirit that are grace gifts, that are grace-based. They are favored gifts. They are enabling gifts that you can use, that you can ask the Father, can I, use me. Use me. So when you come to a service like this, it's great that you are here to receive, but actually your attitude was, must be, God, won't you use me tonight? Won't you just pour out something that I cannot do that will help other people? I want to be served, but, but first I want to serve. I want to I be a blessing. I want to be a grace gift to someone else. And God can do that. Yeah, but I've never. It says, as the Holy Spirit wills. The giving of the gifts, of the charismata, of the enabling gifts of of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit gives it as He wills. He says we must desire it and He will give it as He wills. Therefore, the, the giving of a gift or the expression of a gift is not a reward for spiritual maturity or you've been a good Christian boy or girl this week. God decides who He wants to use and sometimes He uses the people that irritate us. We go, oh, that guy? And smell the beer on his breath. He can't prophesy. God uses who he wants to. That's the beauty of grace. And what John Piper calls the scandal of grace. That he uses people that he won't use. He uses people that we'll disqualify because we have a set of rules that we apply even the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, the fivefold ministry gifts, what we call the fivefold ministry or the Ephesian gifts, not directly in Ephesians, but when the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12 concerning the gifts that are given, he says, the gifts are apportioned according to the grace. So even those gifts of apostles, prophets, teachers, miracle workers, generosity, they are divine enablements given by the Father to people to bless the body of Christ. So even gifts like that are gifts to the church that God says, these are people that will help you on your journey to walk this life, to bear fruit to the glory of the Father. 
And therefore, we need to understand grace a little bit broader than just, I got saved by grace. You are still being saved by grace. The fact that you can still minister is that God says, I'm saving you by grace. And you will be saved by grace. And you will continue because salvation means more than staying out of trouble and staying out of hell. It means there's liberty, there's prosperity, there's purpose in God. That's all encompassed in that word, sozo. Sozo. So it's more than just being saved by grace and thank God now I'm not going to go to hell. So I want to encourage us all this evening and that there's grace for every single one of you. There's grace for you to bear fruit. You can bear fruit. All you need to do is humble yourself and say, God, I can't. I really want to, but I cannot do it. But if you give me the power, if you give me the enabling power, if you give me the favor, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to do something amazing with God. Not for God, I'm going to do it with God. Do something amazing with God, not because I'm amazing, but He who works in me and through me is amazing. And there is favor for you. If you are saved tonight, I want to say to you that there is grace for you. Nobody has been saved by anything else but grace. Nobody else will be sanctified by anything else but grace. The divine enablement of God. You are not powerless. You are weak in your own flesh, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you are an extremely powerful person. Not because of you, but because His work, working, His strength, exerted in you. Remember that prayer I prayed right in the beginning that we will come to know spirit of wisdom and revelation, not only the hope of his calling, not only the incredible riches that's inside of us, but also that we will know the power that works in us and for us, for those who believe and access this grace in which we stand by faith, not by things already seen, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You have access. If you are in Christ, you have access. You have access. You have access. Use your access. Some people will know they have access. Some people will actually access. In Christ Jesus, you have access. What are you going to do with your access? What are you going to do with this invitation? Because of Jesus, you can come. You have access to the grace. Nobody can say, I don't have access. I can't get to that grace. You can come to the throne of grace. No, but I messed up. Mercy. No, but I can't do it. Grace. Jesus got you covered. He de-excuses you. But it's your choice whether you will access this. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.